Hi, I'm Kevin Matthews, a Scottish film fan living in England, and I have already overdosed on horror this month. I'm Tyler Hosley, and I survived another Florida hurricane, guys. Another one. Hey, Paisanos, I'm Dave Gray, and uh, I, I saw the Super Mario teaser trailer. And you know, it's it's funny, like, for months, folks were wondering, what could Chris Pratt's super secret Mario voice be? And it's like all his roles. He just, he didn't even try, and it's just, it's his voice. That's so... Way, way, way to build a character there, dude. Not like it matters. He's going to be a Republican senator in like 10 years anyway, so. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yay. Well, you start us on such a downer date. Mind you, I'd rather he didn't try and do, like, Italian. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Me too. And But, like, like I, I wouldn't mind like him do a De Niro, a, a New Yorker. I mean, Mario is mm-hmm. a New Yorker. I I want to hear him right. say "fuck you, Luigi" like Lou Albano did. Okay, I'm thinking of the cheesy Mario impression. Yeah, you're you're, you're thinking of "it's a me, a Mario." Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, the Chris Martinet voice is is a special kind of racism, but it's okay because like you gotta love him for it. I feel really conflicted, but. I'm glad you didn't do that, but like a little character voice, maybe a little a little Bronx or a little Brooklyn in there, but whatever, whatever. Uh, no, yeah, he's going to be a Republican senator. That's why you marry the Schwarzenegger Kennedy girl. That's literally the only reason to have sex with the Schwarzenegger Kennedy. And in 20 years, he'll be the next Reagan. Yay, we're fucked. He's going to nuke us into oblivion. Thanks, Parks and Rec. Well, it's October, so I watched. I watched so many movies in uh, not any order. I watched the 1982 remake of Cat People, which, um, yeah, I hated it. I mean, sure, Ned O'Toole and and Kinski are, are gorgeous, but damn, John Hurt is boring. And this is like for a movie so focused on fucking, it's got a very childish take on it, which Paul Schrader still does. I get it. You grew up Quaker, but that's been like 60 fucking years. Maybe be a fucking adult about sex finally, asshole. And it's just dull and crappy and dull and it wastes Ruby D and it wastes Caligula and it's just kind of there. Actually, I really like the original, but, you know, whatever. I saw Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, the brand new Scooby-Doo straight to video, which I loved. It's adorable. Easily one of the best. And yes, everybody knows Velmo is a lesbian. Uh, because she's been a lesbian, like, forever. Sometimes, occasionally, explicitly. It's been, like, 12 years since the first time she was explicitly a lesbian. And it's been 60 since it was first hinted at. So why is anybody upset? 50, 53. It's been 53 years since it was first hinted at. So why why does the internet care? I don't know. 
Uh, I watched Under Wraps 2, the new Disney sequel to their remake of the beloved Under Wraps Mummy movie. It's cute enough. Mummies in Love, Evil Mummy, Enchanted Toady, Three Preteens, Hijinks Ensue. Not the worst, not the best. Uh, why hasn't Disney Plus put up the original yet? I don't know. Saw The Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, uh, which is on Netflix. I've seen it before. It's adorable. Has one of the girls from um, Resident Evil. Seemed like they were going to set it up as a series, and then they didn't. So that's kind of a shame because it's cute. Uh, watched the new Argento Dark Glasses, and that sucks. I mean, it's, just, it's not crazy. It's not ridiculous enough. It's just kind of there. I watched I'm Dangerous Tonight. There's an evil dress. It's terrible, but enjoyable. And I saw My Best Friend's Exorcism, which should have been in... Well, that should have been a miniseries. The cast is good, but the script kind of sucks. And they treat scenes wrong. Like, things that should be treated seriously are treated like a joke, and they rush through everything else. Uh, There's a handful of changes from the source, which are interesting ideas, but they don't do anything with them. Like, in the book things take place over over months it's a slow process and in this it's a scene and done and there's no real fallout from anything that happens so it's you know i mean it's it's got bits but it's it's not good and um chris lowell is terrible in his role he's just not right for the part at all and somebody should have seen that long before they were filming but you know it's it's there. Uh, I also watched The Watcher, Woman Goes to Romania. It's, um, uh, oh crap. Uh, the, the girl from It Follows. She's really, like, the cast is fine, but it's just a little too generic and paint by numbers. But if you're looking for something to finish your horror run with, you need one more you know, original watch, I guess you could do worse. I mean, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally recommend it, but you know, it's, it's a passable enough goofy little throwback horror. It doesn't quite stick the landing, but you know, it's okay enough. If you just want passable. Because I missed last week and I didn't get to gush about it on the show yet. I watched The Monsters about four times now, actually. Um, It's such a charming, sweet little movie. Uh, Rob Zombie, for me, totally captures the spirit and humor of the original show perfectly. I loved all those campy dad jokes. They were amazing. Uh, Cast is great. They have some truly, truly wonderful chemistry together. You can tell they had a blast playing these roles, too. I, uh, I love the production design and all that gorgeous neon lighting this was a dream project for rob zombie and his love for the material oozes off that screen it's perfect i love it adore it i went to the theater and saw smile which is so much better than the trailer led me to believe i thought it was going to be another truth or dare instead it's more it follows so uh yeah that's a good thing Uh, there's way too many goddamn jump scares i think jump scares are lazy in general not all of them if they're done well I just think they're lazy most of the time. Uh, there's just too many here. But it's got some nice violence, and the lead is actually really, really good. I actually just found out she's Kevin Bacon's daughter. So uh, definitely got her talent from her dad and her mom because she's very good in this. 
but it's far from perfect, but it's a fun little horror movie. Definitely worth a watch. And I watched Blonde, which I absolutely loved. It's a very Lynchian-style fever dream with a wonderful performance from Anna de Armas. I think it's Andrew Dominic's best film, in my opinion. So, yeah, I really dug that one. And uh, that's me. I watched far too many to even list. Like, it's a ridiculous amount I crammed because I'm getting ready to have a few days where I won't be really watching anything. But that includes My Best Friend's Exorcism, which I liked a bit more than Dave. I haven't read the book. Though. Read the book. Read the yeah, book. Why? Read the book. Actually, no, um, no. Read uh, The Final Girl Support Group before that comes out. Then read My Best Friend's Exorcism. I promise nothing, Dave. Uh, but, yeah. Um, they're on the list. They're on the list. But, you know, I liked, I liked the leads. Uh, I've, I've always been happy to see Elsie Fisher do more after really, uh, loving her performance in eighth grade. I, I get what you mean about, uh, Chris Lowell, but for me, he felt like that character deliberately brought in to keep the third act lighter. Um, you which know, it I, shouldn't I, be. Which it shouldn't be. That's a deliberate misunderstanding of the source. It's a deliberate yeah. misunderstanding of the text. But it it worked for me in terms of the film. It it wasn't. It never had any scares. So I don't know if the book does a better job of mixing like the the horror elements with the fun side of it. But for the the lightness of it. That worked well for me. But I will have had my viewing skewed somewhat because also this week, I mean, I dived in and watched Demonia. That's a film. A Fulci movie about a, a secret, but not really secret, sect of nuns that were killed because they had sex parties and threw away any babies that arrived and this woman thinks she can contact the nuns I mean she wasn't meaning to but she's getting a message and there's lots of blue lighting and then there are moments of the nuns standing there with a question mark on her forehead I think it is uh yeah so I watched that. I can't say I hated it because I was in the mood for cheesy schlock and I got cheesy schlock. I mean, I also watched Sting of Death. Have you seen Sting of Death? No. Anyone? Oh. Um, you know, it's, it's the guy that did, uh, is it Mako? The, the shark film? I can't remember the, the full title, but it's, it's something uh, like Mako the Jaws of Death or something. Um, and I've seen that, and that's about a man who can telepathically communicate with sharks. Sting of Death is basically a killer who has found a way to transform himself at times into a half-man, half-octopus, uh, half-jellyfish, sorry. Which means he walks about with a large inflated plastic bag on his head and a wetsuit. 
And once again, I can't sit here and tell you I hated it. It's so daffy. Like, that guy does stuff. Tyler, have you never watched the films of William Griff? Or have you pronounced his surname? What has he made? Uh, so, the, the ones I know are Sting of Death and uh-huh. Mako uh, Jaws of Death. I think it's like Tartu. But he he did, I think, a lot of his films in Florida and in the Everglades. So part of the fun is watching people... He does some underwater photography, and part of the fun is watching people thinking there were definitely no health and safety measures in place here. All of these people took their life in their hands just working with this guy. Uh, but he was getting the job done. As I say, I can't, I can't say I hated it, but it's not one I'd highly recommend to people. And I watched Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, which has a decent finale, but I get annoyed with the Paranormal Activity movies when they really sort of tie themselves in knots to then bring all the connections together. But I was watching Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, and it's a standalone film with that title, and I realised by the end... I kind of missed the fun element of seeing how they would connect everything together and tie themselves in knots. So it was really a sort of lose-lose. Like, it's not a terrible film, but it has the paranormal activity heading to appeal to fans of that series. And it's a standalone, and you still have characters who are filming when you really just dropped the camera and ran. Yeah. Not good. Ended strong, though. I watched Sissy on Shudder, which was really good. Has some great uh, death scenes in there. And uh, just this evening, I watched Deadstream, which I know Craig watched as well and really enjoyed. And, yeah, kind of found footage-style live streamer who's looking to make a comeback and he holds himself up in an allegedly haunted house and things start to happen very quickly that remove the word allegedly from that sentence. It's it's a good, fun one. Like, a lot of fun. There are obviously a few jump scares, but there's some impressively freaky imagery there and just a good energy that you have enough to chuckle at now and again without it ever really uh, undercutting the sort of growing wild horror of the situation. I liked it. It was good fun. Did you guys see Deadstream yet? Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I think it had a pretty good festival run, uh, but Shudder, you know, hopefully they've got a, another good selection this month. I don't know when it's here in the UK. I know they're getting that Argento film this month. So I'll well, probably they, they did, brave that. What I watched was the um, live stream premiere. It's yeah. not generally streaming until I I think the 24th, yeah. some, somewhere around there, much later in the month. I, I missed that. 
event, but as I say, I'll still have to brave it at some point when it's on there. I mean, it can't be as bad as Dracula 3D. That's something. Actually, that's kind of the problem with it, because it's it's like he wanted to prove that he could still make a movie after Dracula 3D, so it's it's too restrained. It's not crazy enough. But it's not it's not serious enough either. It's like this weird half measure bullshit. I see. This week we watched Ghost Town from nineteen ninety eight or I'm sorry, nineteen eighty eight. It's it's old. We watched All Cheerleaders Die, the twenty thirteen remake of the two thousand one film from the same Directors Lucky McKee and Chris Siviston. Siverston? And we watched the 2022 Disney uh, belated sequel, Hocus Pocus 2. Hey, Tyler? Tyler? Yes, sir. You want to pick a movie and tell us about it? Of course. You know what? I'm going to go with Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, which is about two young women who accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern-day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child-hungry witches from wreaking havoc on the world because the world needed another Hocus Pocus movie, right, guys? It did. Um, uh, uh, this somehow managed to be worse than the first one, which is shocking because the first Hocus Pocus is terrible. Um, I was a kid when the first came out. I was the perfect age for it, and I didn't even like it then. Uh, visually, this one, it's flat. It's shot like a Disney Channel original movie. It's just so boring to look at. The, the jokes, for me, don't land. That fucking Roomba joke, man. So cringe. So cringe. Uh, the Sanderson sisters are, I mean, they're fine, I guess. I mean, I don't really have any issues with them. Uh, they're playing their roles the exact same way they played it in 1993. And if you like them then, you'll probably like them now. I mean, they're just, they... They're doing it exactly the same. They're okay. Uh, the rest of the cast, though, is boring. I couldn't even tell you their names, and I just watched this movie this morning. Uh, the cast is just lifeless all around, just like this entire lifeless, flat, dull, lazy-ass movie. Uh, the director made 27 dresses, their proposal, the guilt trip, step up, and hot pursuit. And Hocus Pocus 2 somehow manages to be her worst movie, which is saying something. I'd rather watch the Seth Rogen, Barbra Streisand road trip comedy again than this. So, yeah, this was a bad movie, and I did not enjoy it at all. No, I did not. I ended up picking this for a Saturday evening viewing. So thanks for that, Dave. Vicky actually said, uh, shall we watch Hocus Pocus 2 together? And I was at work on Saturday morning. I said, while I'm at work, if you've not seen it, you can watch Hocus Pocus. And she said, no, that's right. Like a maniac. So she just went to Hocus Pocus 2 without having seen the first one. Which is fine, because you don't need to have seen the first one because it's a very simple story, and Hocus Pocus 2 basically reworks the first film. It has a prologue with the Sanderson sisters, uh, you know, being shown to be put in a predicament because they're 
standing up for themselves and protecting one another. And then it cuts to modern day and things play out very much like the first film. I've got to say, I didn't mind it. I think if you liked the first film, you will like this. Um, and, you know, we know a lot of people who love the first film. We don't love it. Uh, I I think it's okay. But I think people who are fans will like this one. I did quite uh, like the Roomba gag. I thought it was moderately amusing. And I saw one of the other gags coming a mile away. But Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy are decent enough in their roles. Uh, reprising them effectively as if they're just putting on Halloween costumes again. I think the the young leads, uh, Whitney Peak was really good as Becca and uh, Belissa Escobedo was her friend Izzy. I thought they were good. The other the other folks don't have so much to do. Uh, Sam Richardson was alright as a character called Gilbert um, who may want the Sanderson sisters uh, back or maybe he's just protecting the book that was in the first one. Uh, you get Doug Jones back as Billy Butcherson. Uh, he's quite good in that physical role that he does so well. And uh, there were some funny scenes with Tony Hale playing the mayor and the father of one of the other characters who's obsessed with getting a... Uh, it was toffee apples, right? Was it toffee apples? Yeah, well, or can candied apples, yeah. Yeah, candied apples. Uh, you know, I thought it was funny. You get, like, you get all the beats. All of the beats. Um, including, obviously, a little uh, musical number when the sisters are on stage. But, you know, it could be seen as just a, an easy option for Disney, but I do quite like that it, it feels, uh, certainly... In the lead roles, there seems to be a bit more diversity here. I think that it has that it has that way of updating it and sequelizing that, for the most part, is well done. I think um, you know. I think a director just stays in line with how things should be. Uh, you know, Anne Fletcher does all right, and Jen D'Angelo just you know her screenplay is reprising the first with one big difference that really paid me off. I know it's been years now, but I'm kind of fed up of the fact that we can't seem to just let villains be built villains. Like in Hocus Pocus, there wasn't really any big backstory or overarching storyline that had them being quite sweet and nice in their own way, was there? Am I forgetting? No, that's this is this is a current Disney trend. I was I was going to talk yeah. about too. I mean, there there were three witches, and they came to like be witchy and cast spells and terrorize kids in the first one at, at a Disney level. Whereas with Hocus Pocus too, as I say, from that first scene, so you get background where you're like, oh well, you know, they were just standing up for themselves at a time when women were supposed to just be quiet and do as they're told and oh they're staying together as sisters and it gets to the finale I don't, I don't want to spoil uh, things for people who 
I've yet to watch it, but there are there are things that play through the plot that are are giving a layer to the Sanderson sisters that I don't think they need, and I don't think the film benefits from. I think it's more fun to have them be bad, fun witches who are enjoying having their bad fun. I think that's just as good for kids to watch as you know many other characters that have a bit more shading to them and might have other issues that can bring up talking points or add a bit of complexity. I don't think the Hocus Pocus movies need that. And that was that was like the biggest thing working against it. Because for the level it's aiming at, I thought, you know, some of the jokes were okay. None of them made me laugh aloud, apart from maybe Tony Hale and his uh, Candy Apple quest. But, you know, just knowing the audience it's aiming for, I thought it was all right for this sort of Halloween family film. It was just that main aspect that annoyed me more. I would probably put it just on a par with the original. I I like this enough as an amusing sort of hundred minutes. How many times did you watch it by now, Dave? Uh, just just twice. It was oh. um, just so you know, if you hear stomping, uh, the uh, Monster High movie dropped today on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. And Killa is already on her second viewing of it. That one I will be watching a lot. <laughs> Pity me. Um, but that's actually made by the same person that did The Wizard. So that's a nice little geeky trivia. Anyway, uh, Hocus Pocus 2. I, okay, overall, I like it more than the first one. It's not perfect, don't get me wrong. But I think more of the jokes land. I think it has a stronger supporting cast. I think the kids are a little stronger. As actors, on a script level, I think it's weaker. None of the characters are really fleshed out. Um, Billy and, you know, by extension, Jones. Doug Jones is awesome. I mean, he's always great in in everything, but he's totally, totally wasted here. He's got a few a few gags. You know, he does a, a, a physical gag or two, and that's about it. Um, I like Sam Richardson. He's always a lot of fun. I mean, he almost carries he and um, like uh, werewolf within werewolves among us werewolves within whatever was terrible, but he and um, what's her name almost made it work. He's given nothing to do here, and his character makes no sense. Like they never explain why he does what he does, except we needed to make a sequel twenty nine years later. I mean, it's really, it makes no sense whatsoever. But, okay. Whatever. Uh, Midler, Parker, and Najimi are great. They're in fine form. They have just slipped back in 29 years later. And besides some physical slowing down and about four pounds of makeup too much on Parker's face, I mean, they, they shellack it on there. But they're they're fine in their roles. Uh, again, age happens. You can't have somebody be the same thirty years later. So you know, there's some things they can't get around. But their scenes are cute. The problem 
really with this movie is they do try to soften them a bit too much. And I think the best part is the opening scenes in the, the prequel. Uh, I think the, the three girls in that are, are pretty strong and their uh, echoes of the adult versions are decent. And Tony Hale is really fun. It's the best part of the movie, though. They, they, they really could have used um, <clears throat> Hannah Waddingham a bit more. I mean, seriously, she doesn't show up at all again. Anyway, <clears throat> just the one scene and, and gone. Come the fuck on. Um, yeah, I, I like the bits of this more than I like the bits of the first one. It, don't get me wrong. It's not, you know, the first one isn't good. This one isn't good. It's just, it's a little better. They do soften them too much because they go from child eating monsters to really, really half-assed feminist attempts, attempts at feminist icons, which I don't think that's a bad idea. I think the idea could work. The problem is I don't think it works for the Sandersons and this is a, a push Disney has done for a lot of their villains over the past the past like five, six years. Um you know, it's the same thing they do with um Maleficent and Cruella. And I know there's there's like two or three others on the horizon where they are, you know, pseudo sequels and prequels that soften the villains. And granted, Disney has way too many female villains that are way too just evil for evil's sake. But I'm not sure if softening these characters is the best approach versus doing a new story. Like, they could have done Hocus Pocus 2 and not had the Sanderson show up at all. Just tell... Because, I mean, they're obviously setting up a three without them. I mean, I've never seen a movie end more sequel baity than this one. And it's it's a shame because, again, I think there's a good movie in the idea of the opening scene that that could have been a lot of fun and I think should be made. Maybe not by Disney, but somebody should run with that idea. That's a solid idea that, you know, could really work for some messaging and, and being on point. I just don't think it works with the Sandersons ultimately because... Ultimately, they still eat and kill children to stay young, you know, so it kind of pulling the, oh, look at how soft they are and how much they really care for each other kind of falls flat for me. I mean, maybe maybe if I grew up with the original movie, but I was, you know, I was 13 when it came out. Well, yeah, 13. So I I wasn't in the the target audience. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if I was, I'd have a different view of it. But as it is, it's another bad sequel. And I mean, you can do worse. If you got kids, there's much worse out there. There's much worse on Disney Plus. They'll force you to watch. He says, knowing that soon he'll just have to keep watching the Monster High movie. I absolutely hated the Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall throwback where they're looking on somebody, a, a couple watching a scene from the first movie. That's, that's probably the worst joke in the film that, you know, it's, it's just kind of there. I, I wanted it to be better than it was. I want, 
I do want the girl power witch movie that they kind of hint at. I just, it's not this one. It, it falls short. Uh, I I agree with Tyler. It's the director's weakest film. It looks terrible. But it has a decent supporting cast that carries it. And I think the the three young leads do their best with what they're given. But they're not given much. None of them have are given much personality. Their friendship doesn't really ring true or stand out in any way to make this journey worthwhile. It's just, it's just kind of there. I, I also watched under wraps too. That's a better sequel. I had more fun with that one, but to be fair, Hocus Pocus two was better than I expected. I guess I'll go with ghost town. Kate has just run away from her wedding, leaving her fiancé at the altar, when suddenly she hears a galloping horse and her tires go flat. Sheriff Langley is dispatched to find Kate's abandoned car, and before he knows it, he's pulled into a pseudo-undead ghost town, where he has to face off against the evil Devlin, played by Jimmy Skaggs a semi-zombie outlaw who has control of the town through a pact he made with the devil. Um, Ghost Town is... It's okay. I mean, it it, it has some moments that are are a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed the final confrontation. Although, um, I kind of wish Edo was the lead girl instead of the one that is. But that's just my personal uh, preferences, which, you know, I'm a dirty man and I, 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 I prefer dark haired ladies. I, I, I won't deny it. Uh, they keep referring to his Bronco as a four wheeler and that's a little annoying, but the effects are decent. Uh, <laughs> the sheriff who's pulled in is played by Frank Luz and he, he does a fine job with it. He doesn't, you know, get too winky. He doesn't get too campy over the top. Um, Jimmy Skaggs is a lot of fun as Devlin. Devlin. Bruce Glover is the blind dealer, and he's a lot of fun. Uh, Penelope Windust is the bar owner, tavern owner, and she's solid. I mean, it's it's an okay little B-movie. Uh, I prefer a film we watched way back on our third episode, a little sci-fi space western that Tyler hated deeply. But, yeah, if you can find it, Ghost Town's a a fun little flick, but it's it's not easy to get a hold of here. Like, it's not streaming anywhere. Legally. Above board. I had to go into some dark corners of the internet where people spoke and wrote in Cyrillic. So, you know, if you can find it above board, and I don't know why it's not more widely available. Almost everything else from, it's a full moon movie, right? Oh, Embassy. Yeah, uh, Empire. yeah I believe so. Empire Pictures, yeah, but, isn't bef- it? Yeah, before it was, you know, full moon. It would eventually become full moon. It's bands other other one it's it's not the worst from empire it's it's not the best but it's it's an enjoyable little flick it's a shame that it's 
such a pain in the ass to get a hold of? Um, I thought this was okay overall. Um, I've always really liked that Western horror hybrid. I, I think they, that those two genres fit together really well, and there just isn't enough of them out there. Um, the first act is solid. And then it does stumble quite a bit in the middle for me. It just kind of feels aimless and boring until its final act where it does finally pick up. But once it does start to get really good, it feels a little too late by that point. It's obviously a cheaper production and it shows, but I think they made do for what they had. Like it looked good. I liked the little town. I liked everything about that. It looked, it looked decent. Um, I thought the main villain was a lot of fun. Uh, he wasn't too over the top or campy, like Dave said. Uh, it just he, even though at times he did feel like he was trying a little too hard to be creepy, but it worked for the most part. It's definitely one of the more competently made Charles Band productions, though. Like Dave said, it's. I mean, I think Dave liked that movie, but it's for me, it's so much better than that alien western we had to watch, like episode I, three. Like Dave I said, I do like, like that movie. Obl- Oblivion's yeah, fun. Yeah, Oblivion. Yeah, I think I'm just sour because I had to buy that movie for like $20 and I still own it. So, yeah. But um, I did not like Oblivion, but it's definitely better than Oblivion for me. Uh, It's just – it's a cool concept, but it's just a mediocre execution. I feel like they never get these horror or sci-fi westerns right. Like they get so close, but yet it just kind of falls flat. Like, for example – Cowboys and Aliens. I really wanted to love that movie, and it's just another crappy executed movie. Uh, same for this. It's better than that, but it's not great. But I didn't hate it overall. It's just, it's fine. I do like that Devlin Sparks like a Power Ranger when he gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I quite like this. As soon as it started, I realized that Dave... It might like it because it might remind them of Oblivion. And then I realized we could make Tyler cry by reminding him that there's a sequel to Oblivion, which uh, we could make him watch. Which is also a lot of fun. I mean, that's long been on my list, but I know how much the first hurt Tyler. (laughs) So I blind bought this a while ago. It was recommended to me by someone. Uh, I can't recall who... And as soon as it started, I quite appreciated that it was, um, you know, it was it was pretty well sketched out with everything. Uh, it was a simple storyline, but it was all just, you know, you had the the visual. I was going to say clues, but the visual hammer over the head for you with everything at the start, including. Kate looking at her bridal veil and throwing it aside and just driving on happy-go-lucky runaway brides. Um, Langley practicing his sharpshooting in some abandoned area where he can just just show some irrational hatred for headlights and small mirrors. Did he shoot a petrol can full of petrol yes yeah surely that's not no that's fine (laughs) i mean there might be a little fire but it's not gonna blow up like in movies 
All right, okay. Um, but yeah, he was just quite happy doing that. So by the time he is dragged into this, uh, the titular ghost town, you know that he's uh, able to handle himself, and then the characters start to appear, and and yeah, I was enjoying it. And what I will say, it's not something I often remember to highlight or name check uh, the people involved. But actually, for the kind of film this was and the budget, I really liked a lot of the cinematography. And you had a lot of uh, kind of crossfade transitions. I I thought visually, when it had the sun in the sky, wasn't so hot when it was darker at night time. But I thought the sunlit scenes giving you the, the idea of that um, desert heat and the town in the middle of nowhere, I thought worked really well. It's really nice for this sort of this budget level of filmmaking. Uh, yeah, I think Devlin is a good baddie. I think it's um, just ridiculous how they get the hero to hook up with some pretty young woman that, let's be honest, he makes a promise to that he spectacularly fails to keep. He's, he's just not the greatest for everyone else in this film, apart from the main woman he's out to basically rescue. And I like the fact that it kind of mixed up everything. Obviously, you had a lot of the old uh, Western-style stunts that are used in uh, different movies throughout the years anyway. But you had a lot of those. You had a couple of fire stunts. You had uh, the creaky, the spooky ghost stuff. It was a nice sort of melting pot. I do agree with Tyler that uh, the middle section kind of sagged. Um, but I enjoyed the atmosphere of the opening and I liked the finale because you knew sort of where it was going. I didn't understand though why they'd been told the church was safe and hold up there to prepare for the final battle. And then when the baddies have had enough, they all start breaking into the church to try and get them. Like it's I thought because the church it's, was why those mystical barrier things. No, it's it's because he made the deal with the devil and they assumed because the, mm-hmm. the the bad guys also assume at first. It's why they don't go rushing in. All right, okay. But either, either way, it just bought them some time. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that Bruce Glover is a lot of fun as well as the, the blind dealer. Like, I just think it does really well at, at, at putting all those tropes together and... And using stuff that those who make the film would have known the the way to do these gags well, the way to do them, you know, effectively and on a low budget. And they do that and throw them all on screen for entertainment. And it is entertaining. I don't think it was is that bad uh, a lead for this kind of thing either. Like, he's not uh, the best, but he's far from the worst of seeing this kind of thing. I enjoyed it. Does someone have a burglar being attacked by a dog? Just uh, Chloe. Yeah, that's. She doesn't bark often, but she now she sees the neighbor across the street. She can't stop barking. 
special appearance by Chloe because of the damn neighbour. Uh, that leaves me with all cheerleaders die, doesn't it? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd seen this before, and I, I think when I first watched it, I looked it up and I had realised that it was a, a remake of something from about a decade before. But I've still not seen the original. There's there's no reason to. I don't think you can, honestly. Has it been sort of wiped out? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, it's it's like all his family in it or their family because it's the same directors, both of them. It's it's more um, a curiosity piece than a film, but if I say more, I'll I'll give away my hand for this one. It's the tale of oh, how do I put the other plot? So Maddie is the main character initially, played by Caitlin Stacy, and she wants to join the cheerleading squads. She has a friend, or certainly someone who used to be a closer friend, called Lena, played by Shanoa Smith-McPhee. Shanoa Smith-McPhee, that's what I'm going with. And Lena also has some interest in witchy wooness. So when Maddie uh, and other cheerleaders die, or seriously wounded, no, they're dead, in a car crash. Lena figures out a way to bring them back, and things get odd and uh, loaded with potential for revenge against some guys who are pricks. I think that covers that. The film starts with Maddie really wanting to join the cheerleading squad to get revenge. Um, so you have that aspect of it and then as things build towards a finale you get other details of a backstory that feeds into us in an interesting way I think there's interesting stuff in all cheerleaders die I just think it's crammed into only a couple of scenes so the rest of it although it's kind of laying the groundwork for elements that are supposed to then make you maybe think twice about how characters have dealt with certain situations. It is very much how it appears to be on the surface. It is a bunch of cheerleaders who are back from the dead. There is some gratuitous nudity and there's a little bit of bloodshed. And the blood and gore isn't sort of great in terms of it's quite tame and there's nothing really impressive or jaw-dropping. But it's all done competently enough. Lie. I, <laughs> I have fun with this. Um, I, I do think... I do think for the standard film that is and the way it plays out, 
I enjoy that, and then I enjoy the one or two elements that they put in there. But it feels like they've been put in there to give them a sort of get out clause. Um, it doesn't really feel too authentic or earned. The biggest problem here is the script. It's a it's a really weak script, and and yeah, it it feels like uh, McKee and Sivertson have just tried to come up with the best possible excuse for doing a film in a way that they could have done anyway, and just put it out there. Said, "Oh, you know, we wanted to present a throwback." film with violence and gratuitous nudity through it. So we figured we'll use cheerleaders as well. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And that might have been even more fun than having the bits here that, as I say, they, they are of interest, but they also feel like they, they ring slightly hollow. But I like this one, so this was actually a rather painless film to revisit when Tyler picked it. And then I knew I'd be able to hear Dave rage. Kevin's lying to you. Tyler's about to lie to you. I'll tell you the truth. This movie is trash. I mean, it's just it's just pure, lazy, half-assed shit. The script is terrible. The direction is terrible. The effects are terrible. The cast, I've seen in other things. Some of them can be competent, not in this. Uh, the truth is, this is a movie that's just too in love with itself. It does nothing. It says nothing. It it knows, and it points at the um, the tropes, and then it does them I, perfectly. It's mindless and contrived. The girls have no agency whatsoever. Uh, they don't subvert any tropes. They don't do anything interesting. There's no fun kills. The only minority character becomes an OT superpowered rapist. Uh, they put up no fight whatsoever, like whatsoever. Almost everything interesting is off screen. There's no reason for them to come back from the dead and have powers when none of it gets used. <laughs> the worst death ever filmed and staged is the death of uh, Tracy. That's just fucking terribly stupid. It. it it, this is a movie for folks who like get really excited at the idea of tits and girls kissing, and those are in it, but that's like all that's in it worth recommending, and you can see that anywhere done much better, and maybe with a little passion. Uh, instead, we have characters who have no personality whatsoever, and to be fair, the cast try at times, well, at least two of them do. Uh, others don't. Wiccan... Uh, Lena is played by um, Sinoa Smith-McPhee, who is the older sister of actor Cody Smith-McPhee, and she is atrocious, and not just atrocious, her character is a creepy son of a bitch. Like, she is a stalker. It has been months, and all she does is stalk her ex, but then they get together at the end because she wins her instead of, you know, it being narratively making sense. Um... Caitlin Stacy is Maddie Killen, and she is awful. Uh, I've never seen anybody with less personality get so much screen time in any film. And I occasionally say folks have never felt a human emotion. 
when we watch a movie with a truly terrible performance. But I do believe that Maddie, uh, I'm sorry, Caitlin is a sociopath and she has probably murdered many people by this point in her life because she feels no human emotion or at least she can't express it. But maybe it's because she's Australian and she's too busy trying to suppress that accent, which it could be. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. They should have just let you throw a shrimp on the Barbie. It's just a bad fucking movie. It's witless. It's mindless. It does nothing with anything. It has a, a fun setup. But then it's just tediously moralistic against the cheerleaders. They're all punished for everything that they do. And the villain really isn't. It's kind of... It's it's smarmy. There's no resolution to any of their issues. Any of the plot points. And 98% of the action is indecipherable. It's... It's bad, and it's bad in a way that's not even fun. This is a, a dull, dull drag through absolutely nothing for its... It, God, it feels, it, it feels interminable, but it's only an hour and 30 minutes. But this is like um, Pledge This, one of those rare films where you fall into a time loop and everything takes fucking forever. Every obvious joke takes 20 minutes to complete. Every badly done effect shot just slowly goes across. This is the worst CG I have ever seen. I mean, it's even worse than fucking Spawn. Because at least Spawn had an excuse. It was the 90s, and they were making it on Etch-A-Sketches. There's no excuse for any of the shit in this movie, except the fact everyone involved is actually a hack. And should not be allowed to write, direct, or produce. It's terrible. I I am so fucking happy they never made the sequel. Because nothing good would have come of that. The only interesting moment is the end of the opening. Which, if you don't know what happens, that's the only time something even semi-surprising happens. But it's not really surprising because they tell you it's going to happen in the first fucking line. It. I hate this movie. I hate everyone involved with this movie. It's just absolute shit. Just an excuse to show some tits and and have some really lame sex scenes. They're not even fun. There's no fun. There's nothing of interest. This is only remembered because uh, Lucky McKee has made better films. May is, is a solid flick. But that's all because <laughs> the thing is, McKee is a terrible filmmaker and all his movies live and die on the cast. Uh, Blood Money is atrocious. Red has an... Well, he, he was replaced with um, someone else. With uh, Tyree Alistair Dyson. But that works because of... Uh, well, first off, the Jack Ketchum source, but also Brian Cox and Tom Sizemore. May works because the cast is solid. Angela Bettis, Jeremy Sisto, and Anna Ferris and Ellen James Duvall are all really good in it. It's a bad script in a mediocre film, but they make it work. Uh, McKee himself is is not worth bothering with. Ever. And this is... not even It's not even his worst fucking film, because I've seen the original All Cheerleaders Die. So, uh, yeah, the, he, he does do worse. Much worse. I've also seen The Woods. I don't even want to fucking talk about that one. 
but that has Bruce Campbell, so I know that's that's a Bruce Campbell movie Tyler will eventually make us watch. Yay for that. I forgot he was in that, actually. Was that you, Dave? Oh, yeah, that's me. I mean, I could, I could like, talk shit about Lucky McKee a bit more. I mean, his name is the most, the most, you know, honest thing in Hollywood. Well, you may get your chance next week, Dave. You may get your chance. Um, I like Tits and Girls Kissing. Uh, I've picked many movies for the show with Tits and Girls Kissing in it. But I don't pick them for that reason. They just so happen to have them in it. Um, guess what, guys? This is actually the third Chris Siverston movie we've covered on this show. The Lost, I Know Who Killed Me, and now this movie. Um, all of which I like quite a bit. Um, I love this movie a lot. Uh, every time I rewatch this, I have to double bill it with Jennifer's Body because I also love Jennifer's Body and they both feel similar in tone um, for me. Uh, well, no, I mean, that's that's fair, except one one isn't shit. Yeah, I mean... I, they just have this similar atmosphere to them. Like I think they could exist in the same universe and I just, I won't even think twice. Um, this is the best Avengers movie ever uh, because those are definitely the infinity stones. So if the, if the Avengers had supernatural man eating lesbian cheerleaders, I would be a fan of the MCU. Unfortunately they don't. So fuck the MCU. Uh, anyway, I think the girls are fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, the whole cast is great, in my opinion. Uh, the standout for me is the girl who plays Tracy, played by Brooke Butler. I love her in this. Uh, Tom Williamson plays the main villain really well. Dude is a piece of shit, and he totally sells it. Uh, I love the soundtrack. I actually own the soundtrack and listen to it quite often. I really love the music in this movie. Uh, it's paced well. I love how bonkers it is with its tone. It goes from like super serious to comedic in 2.5 seconds flat. The tone is all over the place, and I love it for that. Um, I hate that it ends on a cliffhanger because I know Dave would be very upset, but uh, we'll never get a sequel because I don't know how well this movie did for sales or whatever, but it's been years and no word. So I doubt we'll ever get All the Cheerleaders Die Part 2 like it promises at the end, but for me that sucks because I am a fan of this movie. Um, but yeah, I uh, I've liked this one since it came out. I really enjoy all Lucky McKee's movies. Like I said, I really like Chris Siverson's movies a lot. And um, I dig this movie. I dig it a lot. I know you do. I, I mean, you know, I accept that. I, I appreciate you for you. You're wrong here, but I appreciate you for you. Yeah, I know you do. It's And, and likewise, and likewise always. Uh, okay, it's it's time to pick one, and for me, it's it's Ghost Town. Like no questions asked. Uh, surprisingly, it's oh, cheerleaders die. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm gonna echo Kevin and go with all cheerleaders wow. die. You guys you lie. Die. You lied to people. You lied to people just now. You you lied horribly. That's okay. See now now I feel bad for what I'm doing next week. Kevin won't be with us. So I lined up two treats. Anna will be joining us. 
and she's going to make us watch Malignant. The I think it's 2019, the Pew film, not the not the one with the the face on the back of the head. Oh shit! I thought I was like, oh my god, another James Bond movie again. Oh no, no, no! I just no, saw no. that movie. I am going with the uh, 2022 uh, another Disney streaming release, the Hellraiser reboot. Nice. What do you have for yes, us? Yeah, I was not expecting that at all when you said Disney streaming release. I felt with... I felt so <laughs> bad making you watch Hocus Pocus too, but I don't now. Now <laughs> I feel like a fucking sucker. <laughs> um. Oh, now I feel bad for picking this movie. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> no, go well, for it. Well, should I? Yeah, I know how much you don't like Lucky McKee, but we're covering another Lucky McKee movie. I'm going with 2011's The Woman. Trust me, I have plenty to say about that one, too. It's It's been a while. I bet I have even more. Uh, I would, but I was trying to make sure I find which version of Malignant. You're going to keep me right on that one, Dave, so I can uh, try and watch along. It's, well, here it's on Netflix. I don't know about in the UK, but it, it just went up. It's a tw- 2019. Uh, damn it. it! Keeps keeps going up with that James Wan one first. Uh, right. Well, give I'll me a second. Let me to... see if it's under a different title, because I, I I can pull it up. Is this it? Twenty nineteen malignant. Is this the Florence? That's not the Florence Pugh one. Is it older than that? I mean, Netflix said it was twenty nineteen, but it could be. Oh, is it? It's in with Florence Pugh. Yeah, it's called Malignant on Netflix. So, oh right, it okay. might have a different name. Yeah, um, or is it Malevolent? Oh, it is Malevolent. My bad. It's malevolent. Right. I'm sorry. I wrote it down wrong. My no, bad. That's, that's fine. Uh, I've seen Malevolent, and uh, I don't feel as bad for being off next week now. But that yeah. was... <laughs> you can all have fun with that. Uh, yeah, if you want to email us, you can do so at raidersofpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Raiders of the Pod. Instagram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook, Tyler has been putting up those Wednesday posts, especially this week because he loves cheerleaders. And we've got a YouTube channel where I try and put a video uh, every week or every other week sometimes. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, do everything you can to help us get out there because we never do Patreon. We're really bad at self-promotion, but we're really good and we're really constant. If anything, we're constant. We're kind of like a fiber tablet once a week. <laughs> that must be that's the most accurate description of us. <laughs> yeah, we'll make right. you shit regularly. You might not like us, but we're regular. As always, uh, you know, go watch Ghost Town. I mean, I know I'm supposed to say the other one, but I'm not. I just, I can't bring myself to do it. As always, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll, I'll talk to Tyler next week. Yeah, I'll listen in at some point. <laughs>